You can stay where you're at, but I'm going to begin to just teach something briefly tonight. I'm going to teach about faith. This may be some things that some of you have heard before, and I'm not trying to get you out of the presence of the glory of God. You just stay where you need to stay and, and listen to what I'm going to say, but let the Lord continue to do the work that he's doing. But I'm going to teach about faith, and truly, I told the Lord as I was studying this message, it, again, it was something the, the, the Lord just put in my spirit to talk about, and, you know, we came home, we went and got some lunch, came home, I took like a 30-minute nap, I got up, I said, Lord, we got to go in like half an hour. He said, I said, not only am I teaching about faith, I'm going to be teaching by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> I, told, I said it out. I said, I, I was standing in my kitchen. I said, Lord, I'm about to give this message in faith. Hallelujah. <laughs> the message about faith in faith. What do I mean by giving it in faith? Lord, I honestly, I have no idea half of the things that are about to happen. But I believe that when I get in there, you're going to move and you're going to touch your people. Hallelujah. That's what faith is. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Man, God is so true to his word. Look at the Holy Ghost touching people. I haven't laid hands on one person tonight. But the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to touch my people tonight. The Holy Ghost said, I'm going, I'm going, not me, not John. He said, I'm going to touch them tonight. So receive from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Take your eyes off of me and just receive it. Brother Tanner said, straight from the tap. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 6, 1, it says, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ. When you say basic teachings, another translation uses the word elementary principles. So he goes on to tell us, what are these elementary principles? He says, let us go on instead to become more mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. I want you to say faith. So the Bible says that faith is a basic teaching or an elementary principle. A basic teaching or an elementary principle. So to help you understand this, what an elementary principle is, is you think about this. What do you learn in elementary school? You learn fundamentals. You learn the things, the, the basics that you need to learn in order to be able to step into the more advanced things. In elementary school, you learn ABC. Why do you learn your ABCs? So that one day when you get in high school, they can hand you these, you know, these books, the Scarlet Letter, the the odyssey whatever they can throw at you and you can read it and you can understand it well how can you do that because you learned your abcs praise god you can multiply five times five well how because you first learned to count from one to to a hundred amen so that's the fundamental principles the basic teachings about christ so one of these basic teachings he paul is saying which i believe paul was the writer of hebrews is that faith in god is an elementary principle the doctrine of faith. Can I tell you the problem 
And I know I say this a lot, maybe because I was just totally ignorant and oblivious to all of this growing up, but I grew up in church. I spent a lot of time as a kid in church and never was taught the doctrine of faith. So that's a problem because it's an elementary step, one, two, three, A, B, C principle of the Bible. So you can't move on to the other things if you don't first lay this foundation. You must understand the doctrine of faith to understand anything in the Bible. Can I tell you why people have a hard time with prosperity? Because they don't understand faith. You know, people have a hard time with healing. Why? They don't understand faith. People have a hard time with the joy of the Holy Ghost and what's happening right now. Why? They don't understand the doctrine of faith. All of it comes from these fundamental doctrines. There's two I listed. If you read the very next verse, he goes on to explain a couple more elementary fundamental doctrines, but repenting from evil deeds and faith, say faith, faith, faith in God. This may be a refresher to some of you, but I just want to encourage you. So tonight I want to talk about faith for just a moment. So Again, most Christians, if you ask them, what is faith, they have no idea. What is faith? How do I get faith? How do I use my faith? Number one, you need to understand what faith is. You need to understand how to get faith. Did you know that you can get faith? Did you know that you can increase your faith? Let me tell you right now, everything that you receive or don't receive in your life is a product of your faith. Nothing that you have or don't have is because God wills or doesn't will for you to have it. It's a, it's a direct product of, what, of where your faith is. You will always have equivalent to where your faith is. Praise God. Does that make sense to everybody? God's will that, that all of us prosper. God's will is that all of us are healed. God's will is that all of us have life and life abundantly. But not everybody experiences that. A lot of people experience sickness. A lot of people experience, well, just because you're experiencing it, listen, what you're, what's manifesting in your life right now is not a product of God's will. It's a product of our faith. Amen. There must be faith in order to receive anything from the Lord. In fact, when Jesus went to his own hometown, Jesus, who the Bible said had the Holy Ghost without measure, so basically, he had the infinite, uh, he had the gifts of the Spirit like no other human being ever had before, without measure, without limit. That means that God didn't just give him a gift. He gave him the, the gift, which was the Holy Ghost, and all of the manifestations of the gifts without measure. Praise the Lord. But yet, when he went to his own hometown, he could do no miracles there because of their unbelief. <laughs> because of their unbelief. And so you think about that. It's not, was, was Jesus not anointed enough to do miracles in his own hometown? No, he was. was he, did he have enough power to do it? Yes, he did. Was it God's will that they be touched and healed? Yes, it was. How do you know that? Because if you read that account in the Scriptures, it says that he, he could do not many mighty miracles except lay his hands on a few sick and they were healed. So the fact that a few people were healed when he went to his hometown shows you that it was God's will that they all be touched and they all be healed. But yet most of them, say most, were not. Why is that? 
because of their unbelief. So what we receive in life is not a product of God's will. It's a product of our faith. That right there, that doctrine will make people fighting mad. You mean to tell me that I'm sick because I don't have enough faith? Yes. The second you can cross that bridge, the much healthier you will be in your life. Anything in my life is not, if there's something going wrong, it's God is not the one to blame for it. It's not on God's side. Jesus sat down. Say he sat down. That means he gave us everything that he's going to give us. Do you understand that? That God has given us everything that he is going to give us through Jesus Christ. We already have all of it. Every bit of healing you need, every bit of provision and prosperity you need, every bit of breakthrough that you need, every bit of forgiveness that you need, all of it. We have all of it in Christ. God's never going to give us any more. So when we're, when we're lacking something in our life, it is not because God is withholding it or resisting us. It's a, it's a direct product of our faith. We don't have the faith to receive that. Amen. Because if you actually believe the Bible, you say, you mean I'm sick because I don't have enough faith? Well, flip it around. Do you believe that if you stand on the word of God in regards to healing in your physical body, that you can walk free from sickness and disease? You should say yes, because that's what it declares. So if I'm experiencing the opposite, it's not God that's to blame. It's, it's my level of faith. Well, the good news is you can increase your faith. You can increase. You don't just have to live a subpar life, and then say, well, you know, you get to the end and you just struggled through everything and say, well, I just, I just didn't have enough faith. No, you can increase your faith. And as your faith increases, guess what increases? The promises that you possess from the Word of God. As your faith increases, so shall the promises of God manifest in your life increase. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, it's really true, but the Bible declares this. It's for a lack of knowledge, people perish. Did you know, what, let me explain this to you. How does faith come by the word of God? Well, it comes by hearing, yes, but you could also receive faith by reading the Word of God. You could receive faith. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing by basically hearing the Word of God being presented to you. And I'm going to explain how does that process work. Well, when the Word of God is presented, it, it, it shows you something that you did not see before. So what do I mean by that? Me and my wife experienced sickness for the first few years of our marriage and our ministry. She battled many health problems, many deficiencies in her body. I was sick all the time. I mean, y'all, I was sick all the stinking time. But you know why? I didn't know anything. I had no doctrine in regard to healing at all. Now, guess what? I began to listen to preaching and teaching and study the Word of God in regards to the promises of God that concern healing and walking in divine health. And guess what? As I begin to read, I'll give you an example. I'll never forget the day. Isaiah 53. 
Here's a classic healing scripture that everybody in this church knows. I'll never forget the day. You know, imagine you've just never heard before, and so you're sick all the time, your wife's sick all the time, and because you don't know any better, you just say, well, I guess it's in all in the Lord's plan, and it's all a part of the Lord's will, and that's just a part of life on this earth. Well, imagine one day I'm reading in Isaiah 53. And I get on down to verse 5, and it says, He was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. So, imagine this. Did you know, here's a good little theological point for you. You know, if you ask people, there's a lot of people, they believe in salvation, but they have a hard time believing that it's God's will for everybody to be healed. If you ask them, how do you know that you're saved? Well, most of the time, they'll just give you some kind of half-baked, weird answer. Well, I don't know, you know, because I believe in Jesus. But ultimately, how do you know that you're saved? Because of what is written in the Word of God. If this was not written in the Word of God, you'd have no idea about your salvation. So you know that you're saved because the Word of God says that he was pierced. Say he was pierced. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. That's just one, one scriptural example. I know that I'm saved because Jesus was nailed to a cross for my sin and my rebellion. Praise the Lord. Did you know, though, the same verse that tells you he was pierced for your sins and your rebellion says that he was beaten, whipped, so that you could be whole and you could be healed. So the same scripture that tells you that he shed his blood for your sin tells you as well that he was beaten so that you could be healed. Amen. So imagine, this is how faith works. One day I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, that's just part of life. You just have to be sick. And then I read that. He was whipped so I could be healed. And then all all of a sudden, for the first time, I see something that I've never seen before. Jesus took stripes on his body for me to be healed. Hallelujah. Now all of a sudden, faith comes where I see Jesus, Matthew 8, 17, he took my sicknesses, he removed my diseases. I could read that passage, and now all of a sudden, faith comes by the word of God. Wait, I don't have to be sick anymore. Because Jesus paid the price for that disease. Do you see that? So there was a lot of time where we struggled and we lacked things. And I, it's just so funny. I remember that the, the moment that I began to grab a hold of the Word of God, I began to listen to Kenneth Hagin. I began to listen to uh, many great people that, that taught about healing. It's like instantaneously I went from having 25 sinus infections a year to not hardly being sick at all to now a year goes by, two years goes by, and it's like, you know, and just walking above sickness and disease. Well, what happened? Did God suddenly look at me and say, oh, you know what? I changed my mind and now I will that you be healed. No, not at all. Faith came by the word of God and I was able to, whoa, grab a hold of it. Hope I didn't just break his hand. We can pray for it if I did. I was able to grab a hold of the word of God and it produced in my life. You know, the first year that me and my wife grabbed a hold of sowing and reaping, and we understood. Again, I've told you these stories before, but the first couple of years of our ministry, 
Me and my wife, I mean, we were dirt poor. Dirt poor. We were the ones that were in line for the, you know, the food box at the homeless shelter. We just needed some spaghetti and ground meat and, uh, just to make it through the week. You know, and then we struggled and we struggled. And then I got a hold of the word of God in regards to sowing and reaping and prosperity. And in one year, I saw my income, my personal income, not only double, but almost triple in one year. What happened? Did God change his mind? No. Faith came by the word of God. So I wasn't, I wasn't lacking anything in my life because God willed that I lacked it. I, for a lack of knowledge, I was suffering and paying the price. It's for a lack of knowledge I was perishing. Praise God. Make sense to everybody? Hallelujah. So, let's read Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? Again, this doctrine is so important. I might go ahead and skip down and read this verse to you. Read, look at verse 33 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, we'll talk about what faith is in just a moment. These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. If you have a highlighter, I want you to highlight that part. By faith, they received all that God had promised them. It's by faith, not by God's will, that you receive the promises of God. Amen. That means, Bentley put it, put it to you like this. That means that God can make all the promises in the world to you, but without faith, you can't have a single one of them. Amen. God can make all of the promises in the world and, and, and give you the, a hope and a future and say... It's show us in his word how it's his will for us to be healed and it's his, word, it's his will for us to be blessed and to prosper and all of these amazing, wonderful things. He can make all the promises, but if I don't have faith, I can't possess one single one of those promises. Hallelujah. You must have faith and understanding in the entirety of God's word. Because I want to tell you, if you have faith for salvation, that doesn't help you in regards to healing. Amen. If I have faith in healing, that doesn't help me in regards to prosperity on this earth. So I must open up myself to the entirety of God's word and let faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to read it to you. If you have it, put it up in the, the New King James. Now, say now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The first thing that I want to show you tonight is this, understanding faith. What is faith? Say now. Now faith 
is. If you have a highlighter, highlight those first three words in your Bible. If it's you, if you have the NLT, it says something else. It says faith shows the reality. I love the original because it says now faith is. So let, let me say it to you like this. Faith is now. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible teaches that there's a difference between hope and faith. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says three, these three things will last forever. Faith, say faith, say hope, and love. So faith and hope are two def- different things. But a lot of people, listen to this. According to Hebrews chapter 11, it's by faith, say faith, that you receive the promises of God. Why is it that most people never receive one promise that's in that word? Is because they're not in faith, they're in hope. Hope, say hope. Hope and faith are not the same thing. It doesn't say they possessed all that God promised them by hope. It says they possessed all that God promised them by faith. So you must understand the difference between hope and faith. Well, what is the difference between hope and faith? Faith is now, hope is tomorrow. Hope is the future, faith is now. Praise God. Well, I'm believing for a, for a car, and I believe that God's bringing it to me. You'll never get it. Never will you get it. You know why? Because when you said that, you just put it in future tense, hope. God is bringing it. No, you believe you have received it. Now, say now. Not God's bringing. That car is mine. You change the way that you think from hope to faith. It's mine. Now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all better wake up tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Faith is now. Hope is in the future. Faith is what possesses the promises of God. I want to tell you, most people stay in hope. And hope's a good thing. But, you know, there's only a few things that the Bible tells us that we are to hope for. One of those things is this, the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord's not now. That's a good thing to hope. I look forward to the coming of the Lord. My hope is in the the second coming of Jesus Christ. My hope is in the resurrection. That's something I look forward to. Hallelujah. My hope is in my final reward that I'll receive in eternity for what I've done on this earth. That's something to look forward to. Those are fine things to put your hope in and have hope for, but faith is not tomorrow. Faith is now. Hallelujah. That one thing alone will change the way that you receive from the Lord. You know, when it comes to anything, when it comes to praying in tongues, you know why most people don't do it? It's because they're trying to receive it in hope and not in faith. Well, I'm praying that the Lord's going to give it to me. Well, you're going to keep praying that he's going to give you, and guess what? Tomorrow you'll wake up praying that he's going to do it, and it's always going to be he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to. That's hope. Faith is now. You know what faith does? Faith says this. You lay your hands on me, and when you put your hands on me, I'm going to speak in tongues right now. That's faith. Not, okay, let's pray for me and let's see what happens. No, the Bible says it belongs to me, right? All of faith is based off of the word word of God. Faith, Faith is not just simply something that you think is true. Faith is, we're going to talk about this in a moment, faith is belief in the word of God. So we're talking about speaking in tongues. I'm just giving you some examples here. 
Does the Bible teach that tongues is for every believer? Yes, it does. So how could I build my faith to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? I could read Mark 16, 17. These signs will follow those believe. One, they'll speak in new languages. Wow, all of a sudden now I read the word of God and where I was ignorant, now I saw this is for believers. Wait a minute, I'm a believer. That means me. That means I can speak in new languages. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus will come and baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire is what it says in Luke 3.16. Okay, well, he's going to do that. What happened when they were baptized in the Holy Ghost? Acts 2, they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Acts 10, Acts 19, the same thing. So you see it by the word of God. It belongs to me as a believer. It's my right. And now, say now, I'm going to receive it. Not tomorrow. Not, well, I'll try. We'll see what happens. And maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. That's hope. Faith is now. Hope is tomorrow. Praise God. So anything that you're believing for, biblical believing is now. Praise God. Your house, Brother Timothy, you receive it now, not tomorrow, not next month or next year. It belongs to you now in Jesus' name. That house is yours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You believe that. Praise God. Hallelujah. So faith is now. Praise God. Okay, so let's go back to Hebrews 1.11. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, 1. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. I like this. It says, faith is the assurance, the title deed confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by physical senses. Say, it's a fact. What is faith? It's, it's the confidence. It's a fact. And I'll explain that a little bit more to you in just a moment. The Greek word for faith in the Bible is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it means this. It simply means confidence, trust, assurance. So what is faith? It's confidence, trust, and assurance in what? God's word. I have absolute assurance that what God said will come to, it, it is. What God said is, is, hallelujah, What God said is the final word. If he said it, I believe it, that settles it, period. Faith is the assurance. The word faith literally means trust and assurance. I have the assurance that God said it, that settles it, period. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at Romans 4. We're going to go back to this verse just a few times tonight. Romans 4, 16 through 22. So the promise is received by faith. (laughs) I'm going to read up in verse 13 here. Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to the law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. While God promised to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants. Well, you know the Galatians chapter 3 says we're descendants of Abraham. Guess what? That means that this earth belongs to you. 
You know, you can take verses like this and claim land ownership from the word of God. Well, then again, and look at this. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those that try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. Say faith. What is faith? It's now. Say now. Hallelujah. It is given as a free gift. Faith is now. And we're all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. It says this, if we have faith like Abraham's, if we have faith like Abraham. So you can't only have faith because, again, it's just like the word God. You know, when we go out soul winning and people, we, we ask people, are you certain if you stood before the Lord today that you'd enter into kingdom of heaven? They say, yes, I am. I've put my faith in God. That's not a good enough answer. Do you know why? Because God means a lot of things to a lot of people. God to the Muslims means something very different than God to the Christian. That our God has a name. His name is Jesus. <clears throat> So if that name does not come out of their mouth, Jesus, then we proceed to go further. No, that's not a sufficient answer. You must know it's not God. God just means Dios. It just means uh, a deity. Jesus. He has a name. He is a person. His name is Jesus. So why am I saying that? Well, the Bible says not only are you to have faith. Well, again, faith can mean a lot of things to different people. Well, I have my faith, you have your faith. That's why I love that it says you must have faith like Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith was true faith. So you can't just have John Wallace's type faith or Sister Kim's faith. In order for us to step into Bible faith, we have to have faith like Abraham. Well, how is Abraham's faith? It says this, for Abraham is the father of all that believe. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. What was it talking about? Well, when God told him to lay down his son Isaac on the altar and to kill him. You know, God had promised Abraham that through your seed, I'll make you the father of many nations. He knew that Isaac, from the word of God, was the fulfillment of that promise. So now imagine God coming to Abraham and telling him to sacrifice his son. Well, what did Abraham do? Abraham had such faith in what God had said that he believed that God could, number one, resurrect Isaac from the dead or create something out of nothing. That he believed that even if he were to drive that dagger into his son, and then light his body on fire and offer him as a burnt offering unto the Lord, the Lord could rise up out of those ashes a physical body and revive his son Isaac back to life. That's the type of faith. Abraham had faith, which is what? Assurance, confidence, absolute assurance that what God said is. Hallelujah. So even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping 
believing that he would come become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. I'm going to give you a little nugget here. You know, you know, a test of faith truly is time. And I believe that faith is now, so don't get confused. But I want, to, I want you to say this. There is a fight of faith. There is a, when you believe, you keep believing that faith, this belongs to me. And you believe that every single time, every single day, until it actually comes into your possession, into your hand. You don't say, God's bringing this to me tomorrow. You bring it to me today. And when you declare that he brings it to me today, you may have it tomorrow. Hallelujah. That's a, there's a test of faith, so let me just say it to you like this. You can test if what you have is actually faith or not by do you lose, I don't want to use the word hope, but if there's been time from when you started believing to when you receive, if you lose your faith, then you never had faith to begin with. If time has gone by, a week's gone by, a month's gone by, and you've shrinked back from your confession, you never believed it to begin with. You know why? Because we're going to look at this in just a moment. It said, Abraham considered his body as good as dead. That means that Abraham believed God despite what he saw, despite what made sense in the natural. So true biblical faith does not shrink back when time is put into the mix. Because if you really believe it, then you'll continue to believe it. Hallelujah. And it actually, actually it says, as Abraham grew older, his faith grew stronger. Abraham never wavered in, in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Can you imagine that? Being more convinced every day. More convinced. More convinced. Hallelujah. Brother Timothy, tomorrow you'll be more convinced that that house belongs to you than you were today. His faith grew stronger as time went on. And it says this. Here's verse 21. Here's a great biblical example of faith. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. What is faith? Fully convinced, say fully convinced, that God will do, say what God will do, what he says in his word. Fully convinced, not partially convinced, fully convinced that God will do whatever he promises. That means, God, you said I'm going to have a son, and through that son I'll become the father of many nations. I don't care how old I am. I don't care that it's scientifically impossible for us to have a child. I don't care that it doesn't make sense at all and that it doesn't look favorable in the natural. If you said it, I, that's it. That settles it. I believe it, and that's what it is. That's what faith is, fully convinced that what God said is true. Hallelujah. Fully convinced God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Hallelujah. I'm just going to stop right there. Praise God. Say, faith is now. 
God said it. That settles it. I believe it despite what is possible in the natural. Thank you, Jesus. Now go back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm just going to share a few more things with you guys tonight, and I'm going to let you go. Put that back up in the New King James. Faith, now faith is the substance. I want you to say substance. That word in the Greek, substance, literally means substructure or foundation. Or bones is another word. So basically what, it's, what it means is faith is the bones of the thing that you hope for. Faith is the structure. Faith is the substructure. Faith is the concrete. Faith, let me put it to you like this. Faith is what the thing that you're hoping for is made of. The thing that you're hoping for is made of faith. It's the substance. You know, what, what is the substance that this jacket is made of? Or cotton? Or polyester? Yeah. If I had a full leather jacket on, what would be the substance that jacket was made of? Leather. So the substance is the thing that the object is made of. Faith is the substance of the thing you hope for. What do you hope for? Well, we're, ta- we're not talking about hope, but, you know, by the world standard, what's the thing that you're looking forward? What's the thing that you're believing for? Faith is what it's made of. Hallelujah. Is it a car? Is it a house? Is it, is it a, you're believing for an opportunity? Is it ministry? Is it finances? Whatever the thing is you're believing for, faith is actually what that thing is made of. So why this is important. If there's no faith, there's no possibility for the thing that you hope for. If there's no faith, then there's no substance. The Lord showed it to me very simply like this one time. I saw myself praying, and I was praying this faith prayer, Lord, oh, you've promised me all these wonderful things, a car, increase, you know, all the things the word promises that are great, all things that pertain to life and godliness, hallelujah. And the prayer went up to heaven. The Lord received it. He got it in his hand, and he looked at it, and he said, oh, man, this is good. I like this. Yeah, this is, you know what? My word says that he can have this. This is my will. This is my word. This is wonderful. I want him to have it. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to give it to him. And he walked over to this box, and the box said substance or material on it. And he went to go grab the material to put it together. The thing that I was hoping for, to bind it together, to hand deliver to me. But when he reached into the box for substance and material, it was empty. And the Lord said, wow, it's my will that you have it. It's my word that you have it. But there's no faith, so there's no substance for me to create the thing that you're hoping for. So guess what? Without faith, you cannot have the thing that you're believing for. There's, it, it's not like it's hard, you know, maybe you just have to wait longer. It is physically impossible for it to be brought into manifestation because faith is a substance that it's made from. Hallelujah. The evidence, say the evidence. Faith, now faith is, put that verse up, now faith is the substance 
of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can get lost in some of the translation of what the word evidence means to us. But I looked up the Greek definition of the word evidence used here, and it, it surprised me. The Greek word for evidence means this. It means proof by which a thing is proved or tested. So I'm going to say it to you in two ways. Number one, your faith is the test of whether you get the things that are currently unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the test of things not yet seen. Faith is the test of things of, of things that are not yet seen. Faith is what proves. Faith is what qualifies. Faith is the test of the things not yet seen. Let me say it to you like this. In order for you to receive the things not seen, you must pass the test of faith. In order for you to receive the thing that you're hoping for that is not yet seen in your life, you don't have it in your hand, you have to pass the test of faith first before you'll ever receive the things that are not seen. Amen. Hopefully I'm not confusing you. So what is the test of faith? So if you must pass the test of faith in order to receive the thing that is unseen, what is the test of faith? You believe it with full assurance and certainty before or without seeing it. The thing that will determine if you receive that promise from God in your hand and it materializes is, do you believe it with full assurance and confidence that it belongs to you before you ever see it? Abraham believed God before he ever had one son. Abraham, Abram believed and by faith he received his name change as Abraham, the father of nations before he ever had one child. So your faith is, is you have absolute certainty that it already belongs to you and that God's already given it to you. Hallelujah. I know I've told you guys this story, but man, this will change. If you receive this, this will change everything. I'll go ahead and tell you this story one more time. That when me and my wife were believing for a car, we had a car that we were able to pay for. The Lord brought in the funds through family and different places. I mean, crazy, like three different things came together. We were able to buy this car without, not our current car, the car before our current car, without any loan from a bank. And so I remember when we were believing, the Lord had me meditating on Mark eleven twenty four. You can pray for anything, say anything. We talked about that this morning. That's the Greek word pos. It means anything in the Greek. All things, anything, everything. If it's something, you can ask the Lord for it. And if you believe that you've received it, you shall have it. And the Lord asked me that day when I was driving, he said, do you believe that you have already received this car? And I said, yes, I do, but really I didn't. I was in hope. I wasn't in faith. Because I was constantly hoping that God would, maybe it'll be tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year. The Lord said, no, do you believe that you received it today, that you already have it? And I said, well, I mean, I knew what the word said, so of course I said yes. And the Lord said, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you believe that you've already received it. I said, what do you mean? And it took me to where, G, or, where 
Peter healed the crippled beggar. Where when he le- when he stood up to his feet, it said he began to leap, jump, dance, and went praising God into the temple. And the Lord said, "This is how someone acts when they just received a miracle. How would you act if the car, if you went home today and the car was parked in your front driveway?" How would you act if you opened the mail and that check was sitting right in your hand? How would you act if the phone call came and the opportunity was on the other line? How would you act if the keys to that home were handed to you? Would you just stand there? Oh, sure. Yeah, I believe it. No, you would be jumping around. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord came through. The Lord delivered. He said, that is how you know that you're in faith. You believe that you've already received it. You must pass the test of being fully convinced of what I've said, that you've already received it in order to have the things that are not seen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The thing that I'm trying to tell you is that most Christians will live their whole life and never hear what I'm telling you right now. But yet Paul said in Hebrews that this is a fundamental principle of Christianity, placing your faith in God, the doctrine of faith. Hallelujah. Abraham believed God would do what he said, period. When, when you're in faith, what you see doesn't matter. I want you to understand this. When you're in faith, what you see doesn't make it any more true or any less true. Hallelujah. Because biblical faith is walking by what God says, not by what you see. I walk by faith and not by sight. God said that I'm rich. Guess what? I'm rich. You know why I'm rich? Has nothing to do with my bank account. Has nothing to do with how much money I have in my wallet. Has nothing to do with my house or the car that I drive. God said it. I believe it. And I really want to tell you, don't ever. I'm going to get into some principles maybe as this week goes on of of how to use your faith. But I'll go ahead and tell you this. If you're a believer... You can never let your confession contradict the word of God. Never. Say never. Because if it does, you're not in faith. Faith isn't just sometimes I get it right and then sometimes I get it wrong. No, faith is absolute assurance. Hallelujah. You know, I'm certain that I'm a man. Did you know that? I am 100%. Not one time. Has anybody ever asked me my gender and I accidentally said female? Oh, I'm uh, no, I'm certain. I'm certain at the subconscious level that I'm a man. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at. It, your, your confession must always line up with what the Word of God says in regards to your life. Let me tell you tonight, if you're a believer, you better never say that you're sick again for the rest of your life. You know Why? Because it doesn't matter how you feel, and it doesn't matter what symptoms you're experiencing. God, does God say that you're sick? No, he says, by his stripes you are healed. It says that he took it. He took your sicknesses and removed your diseases and infirmities. So God says, I'm healed. Well, what if I get up and I don't feel healed? Well, I come into agreement with what God said. I am healed. Hallelujah. Why are you healed? Because God's word says that I'm healed. You know? If you're watching online and you're sick in your home 
and you're a believer. Change your confession today from, well, I believe God's going to do it. I believe I'm going to come out on the other side. No, you need to confess today. I am healed today. Now, faith is. Now, faith is. Now, faith is. If you keep it in the future, you're in hope. And you'll never receive the promise of God in hope. You only receive it in faith, which is now. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. You know, people get this, and again, it's like they can receive tongues, they can receive prophecy, they can receive anything from the Lord. I remember it was Brother Tim. When he came to me, he wanted to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, in Acts 19, Paul laid his hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, began speaking in other tongues. I laid my hands on Brother Tim that night, and he didn't start speaking in tongues. Guess what I said? Well, let's try again. Nope. I looked at him in the eye and I said, you're not speaking in tongues right now, not because you can't, it's because you don't want to. <laughs> Was I right? Yeah, because guess what? You went, left that room, you got in your car that night, and you began to pray in other tongues, didn't you? There was fear. There was, that's the thing. You stand on the word of God. Now I receive the promise of God. I don't have to pray anymore about it. I don't have to dance around and do any fast 30 days to receive it. I receive the promise of God now by faith. Now faith is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, tonight... We'll go ahead, transition into this as well. I was going to teach out of Hebrews 11. Everything that was ever done by the people in the Bible, it says, by faith. In verse 3 of Hebrews 11, it says, by faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. Did you know God created the universe by faith? God had to use the law of faith to create the universe that we live in. Yeah, we're going to get into that. How do you use your faith? Because a lot of people have faith, but they don't know how to loose their faith. They don't know how to use their faith. We're not going to get into it tonight. But I want you to see that God created the entire universe that now we see it did not come. Now, the universe that we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Wow. So the unseen, say the unseen. God, by faith, used the law of faith to bring what was unseen into manifestation. <laughs> he created the universe from what, anything, from, from, from the unseen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval on his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Did you know that Abraham, uh, Abel gave the first offering to the Lord in faith, the Bible says? How did he give an offering in faith? Well, look over at verse 6. It says this. It is impossible to please God without faith. 
Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, that he is, and that he rewards those who diligently or sincerely seek him. So the Bible says anybody that comes to God must come in faith. What does it mean to come in faith? You believe that God is who he says that he is and that he's a rewarder. Say he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. So if Abel gave the first offering in the Bible by faith, what does that mean? He gave an offering to the Lord with an understanding. I'm going to do this for the Lord, give this to God, and God's going to reward me for doing it. Amen. Why was it that Abel was able to give the best first fruit offerings, the best of what he produced, but then Cain gave God the rest, and God didn't receive it? Why is that? Well, because Cain didn't give it in faith. He may have given it out of obligation. He may have been taught, you know, because we don't really have record. Everything that they did, it was passed down through their father, Adam. Taught them about the Lord. Taught them how the government of God worked. Guarantee you taught them about seed time and harvest. Taught them all of these things because God taught Adam. Amen. So, Cain gave well, because I'm supposed to, that's what I've been taught to do. But no, Abel gave to the Lord in faith, expecting that God rewards those that diligently seek after him. Hallelujah. I'm going to give God something, and I know that my life will not be the same as everybody else's life. <laughs> I'm going to give this offering to the Lord, and this offering is going to separate me because I know that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. you got to believe that. Even with the gift that you, you give the Lord, never give it. That's why the Bible says don't give out of pressure or out of necessity or response to pressure. But God loves a cheerful giver. And I give in faith knowing that God's a rewarder. Say he's a rewarder. God rewards me. Hallelujah. That when I give, my life is set apart from everybody else on this planet. Do you guys believe that? That my gifts to the Lord set me apart and he rewards me because I diligently seek after him. You know that you come to these meetings, you should never come to these revival meetings out of religious necessity. You know why you should come every single night? Just come and come and come because you believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. Lord, it's a joy for me to do this. And I don't do it because I have to. And I don't do it because I'm religiously obligated. I do it because I believe by doing it, my life is set apart from everybody else. I'm not getting everybody else's portion because I don't do what everybody else does. You're not a socialist, God. You reward those that diligently seek after you. Praise God. And my life will be rooted and planted in the house of God. And I shall prosper and produce like the trees of Lebanon. Even in their old age, they'll bear green fruit and continue to produce, the Bible says. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to just declare this. Even if you don't sow tonight, I know everybody in this room is a sower. And if you're watching online and you're gonna, you want to give, we'll put the ways you can give on the screen. Declare this. Say, my seed sets me apart. My seed sets my finances apart. God rewards me because I give to him 
in faith, I expect for God to open the floodgates of heaven over my life, open the window, and pour out a blessing so great I won't have enough room to take it in. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. If you give to the Lord in faith, you're doing so with the expectation that now, say now. Now. You know what? I want to tell you this last key. You need to give. Go ahead and pass out an envelope to everyone. If you don't need it, put it beside you. That's fine. If you're watching online, these are the ways you can give. A lot of people give, and either number one, they don't give in faith. As we saw, Abel gave in faith. Did he not? He gave in faith. That shows you that you can give not in faith. (laughs) You can give out of religious necessity or obligation. But he gave in faith with an expectation that God would reward him and set him apart. So you, number one, people don't give in faith. Number, some people don't give at all. And some people give and they give religiously, but they don't give in faith with the expectation. But I also want to tell you this as well. Not only do you have to give in faith, you must also reap in faith. What is faith? Now. Say now. Faith is. Now. Faith is. Why do people have such a hard time reaping? Because we sow and we reap. There's a time for sowing and a time for reaping. Well, People have such a hard time reaping because they hope for their harvest. They don't have faith for their harvest. Their harvest is always coming over the horizon, somewhere in the distant future. The harvest is coming. No, the harvest is now in Jesus' name. The harvest is now, and we gather it by faith. Oral Roberts taught, sow seed faith, believe, sow faith, expect for a miracle. Expect a miracle. You expect a miracle this week? I want you to say, I expect my harvest. Now, this week, I'll have many testimonies of miraculous provisions from the Lord. In Jesus' name, I receive it now. Hallelujah. If you believe it and you receive it, just give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for thousands of dollars coming into the hands of these people. Some of you have never had somebody give you $1,000. Well, I just believe it, release, grab a hold of it with your faith. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter. I can give you the word of the Lord all day long, but unless you grab a hold of it with your faith, it means nothing. Some of you this week, grab a hold of it with your faith. Someone will give you $1,000. So maybe some of you said, that's never happened to me before. Someone will give you, write you a check for $1,000 and say, the Lord told me to give this to you. Hallelujah. You believe it? You receive it? Well, praise God. You confess it. It's mine. Say, it's mine. I receive it now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Y'all give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Let's just go ahead and take up the offering. Brother Tanner, close us out.